still in the middle of our Philippians series, and we're entering Mental Health Awareness Month. So actually today, today's May 1st. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and for uh, our church, we've written a devotional, a however many days are in May, 31 days? So a 31-day devotional that begins today. So if you haven't received one of our devotional booklets that we wrote, you can grab one on the way out. Um, they're, I guess, yes, perfect. Thanks, Michelle. Um, they're really tiny. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's pox- the, the print is tiny. Don't let that discourage you. We had a mess up with the printer. We actually thought they were going to be bigger than this. Um, <laughs> you're like, what is this? <laughs> Get this out of here. Um, so maybe you can go pick up like a reader or a magnifying glass or something at the library or, or somewhere. But we wrote this. We had people in our church write this. There's testimonies from our church in this. Uh, so this is, this, everything in this is, um, is specific to our city, who we are, and, and uh, who we are as a church. So, like, for instance, today begins with presence, and the theme is presence for today. And each day has, <clears throat> because we're in Mental Health Awareness Month, each day has a daily meditation or a daily thought that you're supposed to take from the devotional and just meditate on throughout the day. Uh, Christian meditation isn't emptying your mind. It's filling your mind, okay? So when the Bible says meditate on God's instruction day and night, it's saying fill your mind with the good things of God. And, and so that's what we've done in this book. We've, we've teased out daily meditations based on a passage in Philippians and then a passage in the Psalms uh, for you to take and just... Hopefully what you're doing, if you picture yourself as a bucket, um, we have all this bad stuff in our bucket. Once we fill it up with good things, the bad things become to uh, start to go out, and we want to keep on filling our bucket up. So that's what these daily meditations are for. Uh, so pick one up on the way out. If you're a guest with us today, we don't care. Grab one. I mean, you don't have to come back to this church to, to participate with us in that. Um, we'll post it online as well, and so, or we might have already done it already. I don't know. Um, so it, it'll be there electronically too. I don't deal with that stuff. Daniel normally does that stuff. So he's the social media guy and Facebook guy and all that. Um, I'd be totally fine without Facebook, but anyways. So, all right. Um, a couple more things before we jump in. Uh, this is just a really cool time in our church. I don't know if you've heard, like we have a couple, a couple couples that are engaged and so, like, this is just, I was just thinking about it this week, and you guys don't have to come up here, but I just want to say, like, we're super excited for it. So, like, Mac and Ruby got engaged. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Mincy's like, yeah. Uh, Tim and Shirley got engaged. Like, yeah, this is really awesome. Um, Adam and Emily are having a baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Matthew and Rachel are having a baby in August. Like. So this just, I was just really excited thinking about these things in our church. So if you guys hadn't heard those, I just wanted to say those uh, real quick. Um, another thing is uh, I'm growing a beard. So why are you guys laughing? <laughs> this is true. So this is me with my mustache. This is the Movember incident of 2014. If you're with us for that, I'm sorry that... I've got, I got so many comments on that, like, I won't tell you all of them. Um, 
well, yeah, I won't go into them, but uh, I'm actually growing a beard. So you'll see me over this month growing a beard because I may go to Pakistan in a few weeks. And, and so be praying about that, be praying towards that. Um, uh, the guy who I'm going with, he said, if you can grow a beard, he's like, I'm not trying to be funny, but I, I don't know if you can or not. <laughs> if you can, grow it so we don't get our heads chopped off. So I'm going to try to grow a beard. I've never tried to grow one before. So we'll see. This is a day. This is a day. We'll see what it looks like. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going for what Adam has. So, all right. Let's get into the Philippians passage. This is a really great passage that, that Michelle read. And, um, and it comes off of uh, the passage that Mincy preached last week. And, and Paul saying, I want to know Jesus. And I want to know him a certain way. I want to know him in his sufferings. I want to know. He, he says, when I know Jesus in his sufferings and I share in those, when I become like him in his death, that's like his... his um, his qualifications for knowing Jesus. Um, and that's really, that's really powerful. I mean, if you think about, do I, ask yourself the question, do I know Jesus that way? Or do I even want to know Jesus that way? And, and Paul says, that's how I want to know Jesus, through the power of his resurrection, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. When our, our vision, mission, purpose statement, whatever you want to call it, uh, here at Trinity Life Church, is discovering identity and destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world. So if you're new to Trinity Life, that's the lens through which we do everything. If you have been at Trinity Life for a while, you should know that statement, discovering identity and destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world. And so this, is, this has a few components. We have identity, and we're saying your identity in Christ is the foundation of who you are, of what you do, of, of your life. And when you mix up the foundation, when you don't have the right foundation, the destiny or purpose piece and the influencing piece is going to be totally messed up. The problem is a lot of, a lot of us want to find our purpose before we find our, our identity, and we mix those up. Okay? But identity is key to have first in Christ. Okay? It's then that you discover your destiny or your purpose in Christ, okay? And guess what? Your identity, I mean, your destiny and your purpose is not different from my destiny and my purpose. We all have the same destiny in Christ, okay? That's to know him. That's to uh, be ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors of Christ. Uh, that's to live on mission for him. We all have that same destiny and purpose, and then we all influence, this, the second or the third part of the statement is influencing our city and the world. That's where it's different. You're going to influence our city differently than I'm going to influence our city. You're going to influence our world different from I'm, how I'm going to do it. Because you're created uniquely. You have specific personality, you have specific talents and giftings. And so these are the three component, components, identity in Christ, destiny in Christ, not purpose in you. We often say, God, what's your will for my life? What, what do you want me to do with my life? Well, we know what, what he wants us to do. It's all written here. Uh, we're supposed to be his ambassadors. Okay, that's in Christ. But then the influence piece is what you're really asking about. Okay, and that's, that's, our, that's our statement. So at Trinity Life, our whole, our whole purpose is to empower you to live that out. 
So if you are, if you're struggling with your identity, we want to come to you in that point. If you're struggling with, with destiny, we want to come to you there. If you're struggling with, and I just don't know what, what I should do or, you know, what my vocation, what my specific vocation or calling is, that's where we want to empower you. So uh, let me show you this, this picture. Um, so it's very blurry because this is taken in like 1986 or something like that. Um, this is my dad, me, and the really cool polo v-neck. Um, I, that was my favorite shirt. I wish I still had it. Uh, I mean, they don't have like polo v-neck combos anymore. So that'd be really cool. And then my twin sister, uh, Diane, is right next to me. So this was in Bangkok. Uh, before we moved back to the States in, in 86, we were, uh, we were living in Southeast Asia, and, and this is Bangkok. Uh, if you see, uh, this would never happen in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> We'd never walk down Bay Street and just see a tiger sitting there and a guy say, hey, you want to take a picture of my tiger? Um, there's no chain around this tiger's neck. There's, there's nothing. Actually, when we walked up, the, the guy said he was speaking Thai, and he, he points to the tiger to come down and pet it, but he's doing this. So I actually sat on the tiger, um, and he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, he knew that much English. So I and. And then he said, get behind the tiger. Um, and so my mom, you can see my mom wasn't there because my dad would never do this if my mom was there. So <laughs> she, was visiting, she was visiting her family before we moved back. And, um, and so we're petting this tiger. Now, uh, this tiger was born in captivity, uh, apparently. So he's, he's tame. Um, but... He's still a wild animal, right? I mean, even though he's born in captivity, even though he's letting us pet him, you can see it on his face. He's like, oh, I'd do anything to take a bite out of that guy. He's like trying to pet me, and, and I'm not made to be pet. You know, he's, he's thinking probably I'm made to, he's, he is, he's made to run free in the jungle. He's made to climb trees. He's made to hunt for food not to be given food. He's not made for two punk kids to come uh, and take pictures with him. And this is exactly how, how we are. Our, we've been tamed. And this whole passage is about God saying, you're tamed, and I've made you to be free. I've made you to be wild. I've made you to be something more than what our culture has told us you should be. Even as a follower of Jesus, even as a Christian, he said, I've made you for something different. The reality is you were born in captivity. We were born into a sinful world, and we were born into a world that's made us tame, and we're supposed to be free. And the cool thing that Paul says here is we get all that back in Jesus. And so let me give you a statement. If you don't remember anything else, remember this, this statement. You'll remember it because it rhymes. It's kind of cheesy, but, it rhymes, but it's, you'll remember it. So it says, when you know what you've attained, there's nothing that will keep you detained. I know it's cheesy, but you'll remember it because it rhymes. Uh, if you don't remember it, you'll forget that it was cheesy. So... Um, 
when you know what you've attained, there's nothing that will keep you detained, okay? All right, let's jump into this passage. So Paul says here to, to start off this passage, three things. He emphasizes it three times. He says, remember, we, we just came off of what it means to know Jesus. Paul is, Paul is going towards that. And he says, I haven't obtained this yet. He says, I'm not already perfect. He says, actually, I, I'm pressing on towards it. So he's recognizing, I'm, I'm not there yet. I don't know Jesus like I want to know Jesus. I don't know Jesus like I should know Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. But he says, I'm doing this because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So he's not doing this uh, to earn anything, to earn merit, to, to earn salvation or anything like that. He says, no, Jesus has already made me his own. And that's the reason I pursue Christ. Because he's already shown me infinite love, infinite grace, infinite mercy. And that's why I press on to know who he is. That's why I want to know Jesus. Because he's already done uh, something of infinite value for me. On my wedding day, so Missy and I will have been, where'd she go? There she is. So we'll have been married 12 years in a couple of weeks. And on my wedding day, someone came up to me, not even someone particularly close to me. Uh, it wasn't like one of my groomsmen or anything, but someone came up to me and said, you don't know what love is. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why are you telling me this on my wedding day? <laughs> he, he said, you'll, you'll learn what love is, but you don't know what it is, what it is yet. 12 years later, I've forgiven that guy because he's right. <laughs> 12 years later, um, I can see even five years into it. I was like, man, that guy was totally right. I had no idea what love was on the day I got married. But now that I, I didn't even know Missy on the day we got married. I thought I did. Um, I mean, we, had, we had dated for two and a half years or so, something like that. Um, I'm looking at her, but she's not giving me any indication. She's not going like this or like this. I'm like, uh. <laughs> um, and I thought I knew her, but I didn't really know her uh, until we got married, until we made this eternal commitment to each other. Like this, this commitment where I said, I'm, I'm giving uh, before God, I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself to you and you're giving yourself to me. And we're going to do this for the rest of our lives. And, and so... Um, then we began this journey of knowing each other. So 12 years into it, I feel like I'm a little bit further ahead of where I was, but I'm still like, it's only 12 years, right? Um, for those, those who are older in here, you're like, man, 12 years is nothing. Uh, I think in 50 years, uh, I'd probably still say the same thing. Man, I just, I, I'm still learning what love is. I'm still, I'm still getting to know who Missy is. This is how we, this is our relationship with Jesus. I don't know where you are along your spiritual journey, but most of us have just gotten inside the door. We're still in the foyer of knowing Jesus, and we haven't really experienced the love of Christ yet. We're, we're just in there. And Paul is, Paul is picking up on this, and he's saying, look, I mean, the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote 
most of the New Testament, one of the greatest uh, missionaries in history, church planner, church starter, he says, guys, I don't know Jesus like I should. I'm not, I'm just not there yet. I'm still knowing how to love Jesus. I'm still trying to, trying to figure out who Jesus is. But he says, I can do this because Christ has already made me his own. And then he says, brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and these two things go together. He's not just forgetting what lies behind. He's also straining forward to what lies ahead. And literally, I mean, this, this, he, when he says he's forgetting what, what lies behind, he's saying, I'm neglecting what's happened back here. And I'm stretching forward. I'm extending as hard as I can forward to what lies ahead. When, when I was, uh, when we lived in Indonesia growing up, so this is in grade school, uh, my sister and I, my twin sister, same sister, twin sister, we, we swam competitively. And so I've told you how, before how my dad taught us how to swim. He just threw us into the pool, and then we just figured it out. He just stood there, like when we were four years old. And we figured it out. And so um, we started swimming competitive, competitively in school. And it's, is anyone a twin in here? All right, yeah. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Um, twin sisters? What's that? Okay, yeah, awesome. Yeah, before you guys ask, me and my twin sister are not identical. <laughs> you cannot be identical if, you're, if one's a girl and one's a boy, okay? But... People ask that all the time. So uh, we are not. Uh, uh, so, but we were competitive. And I was even more competitive because I was like, I can't let her beat me. Okay? And, but so we would always swim, and she would always win. And she would always win because, and we were the two fastest in our class. Uh, and we would al she would always win because I would get a big lead, and then I would look back to see where she was. So I'd start going like this, like sideways. And then she'd just go right past me, and she would beat me by a hand every time. Every time. Uh, and it's because I just kept on looking backwards. What are you looking back for? Why do you keep on looking backwards? Paul says to forget what lies behind us. And we keep on taking our past sin, our, our past, and instead, of, and instead of allowing God to redeem it, we, we just carry it with us. And we let it drag us backwards instead of forgetting what lies back there and straining forwards. And you're going to lose every time when you do that. And you're just going to lose because you're, you're going to go off the path. Paul says to forget it and to stretch forward to what lies ahead. Um, and then he says... We do this for the prize, in verse 14, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this, that, that word upward is literally heavenward. It's, 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 it's towards heaven. And he says, God's calling us home. God's calling you heavenward. He's, he's calling you back to what you were created to be and how you were created to live. You know, like this tiger who was, who was bound up. He wasn't created to live like that. We weren't created to live in captivity. We weren't created to live in sin. We were created to live in freedom in Christ. 
and perfect relationship. And he says, God is calling us back then. And Paul says, I press on towards that goal. And he's saying, I'm chasing after it. I'm hunting it. I'm pursuing the, I'm pursuing this goal. And it, like, like I just, it can literally be translated, he's hunting after it. Like he's just running after it. What's taming you? Or what has tamed you? And I talked about past and, and sin and, um, you know, we've, I've mentioned culture. Like, what, what is currently taming your faith? When I was, when I was preparing for this sermon um, and just praying over it, I just kept on uh, hearing the word stagnant. That word stagnant just kept on coming to mind. In fact, yesterday when I woke up, um, it was the first word on my mind. Uh, just, I just sense the Spirit speak it so strongly, stagnant. Are you stagnant in your faith right now? Are you stagnant in your marriage? Are you stagnant in your job? Are you stagnant in your relationships? And stagnant is such a, such a, um, and when I hear that word, it kind of like grates against me. Uh, because just think about water. When water is stagnant, what happens? Yeah, it stinks, right? Mosquitoes. You know, it, it smells, it's, it, it's like a cesspool. And it, it starts to smell bad because it's not moving anywhere. Uh, you know, things start to breed in it, like bugs, catfish. I don't know about catfish. Um, uh, mosquitoes and larvae. And it just becomes this, this, uh, this nasty, smelly thing. You can't, you can't use it for anything. You can't drink out of it. It just becomes worthless to us. You don't want to bathe with it. Is your life like that right now? You know, Paul says that uh, we're supposed to be the aroma of Christ. But if you're stagnant, you're not the aroma of Christ. Like Pete, like Pete was saying, like, you just smell bad. And then, like Isaac said, like things, things like come in and they bugs and worms and, and stuff like that. Think about where you're stagnant in your life. Most of us are stagnant because we don't understand calling. You might think your job is your calling, but you hate your job. You hate your job because it's not your calling. It's not what God created you to be. It's not what God created you for. It's not actually, your it's not actually helping you fulfill your destiny in Christ. It's not actually using your gifts, your passions, your abilities, your personality to do something for the kingdom. You're stagnant in your relationships because you can't see how, to, how, how God can redeem those uh, for your calling and your vocations. It all boils down to calling. And so if you're stagnant right now, ask God what he's called you to do. You know, we're not 
pastors and missionaries and preachers aren't the only ones who are called. Remember, we all have the same destiny in Christ. And whether you're a doctor, a teacher, a lawyer, a construction worker, uh, a nurse at Starbucks, a carpenter, a plumber, whatever you are, you're called to live out that calling according to, to uh, um, where God has placed you. And so um, just evaluate your life based on that word stagnancy and then allow God to redeem those areas of your life. Um, Paul says in verse 15 that this is actually a matter of maturity. He says that those of us who are mature think this way. When we know when we know Christ, think back to the marriage analogy, when we know Christ more, that's when we'll realize our, our calling more, when we know who Jesus is more, when, we, when we're on this journey with Christ and, and we learn how to love Jesus more and we experience his love more, when we know Jesus experientially more, Paul says we'll become more mature and we'll think this way. He says it's actually pretty easy. In verse 16, he says, all we really have to do is hold on and hold true to what we've already attained in Christ Jesus. He says, we already have it. If you're in Christ, he's already accomplished it. He's already done it for you. And all you have to do is, is live up to that. All you have to do is hold true to that, he says. So for you as the for you sitting there as the individual, like I said, it, it boils down to what, what God has called you to do. And you need to let God take your past. You don't have to, for, you don't have to, have to completely discard it, but you, you want to allow God to redeem it. You know, sin is like this, Sin is like these, um, just take the analogy of, of being in captivity. It's like these chains on us. And, and what happens when we become a believer, we experience this freedom in Christ. But what, what a lot of us do is take these chains and just wrap them back on. And we still want to carry them around with us. But your truth in Christ is that he's freed you of those things. That you don't have to carry those things around anymore. That he's broken those chains, he's set you free, and you're no longer a captive. And a lot of people think religion is captivity. Um, well, we don't, we don't preach religion here at, at Trinity Life. Uh, we talk about Jesus Christ. And, and when Jesus came, he came to free the world of, of this idea of religion and, and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. He says... Just follow me. Just love me. Just pursue me. And that's why when you hear Paul in here saying, I want to know Christ, he doesn't say, I want to know Christ by doing this and this and this. He just says, I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to chase after him. I'm not going to make sure I have everything in order. I'm just going to pursue him with all that I am. For our church, you know, we've been, we're a young church still, two and a half years old, and, um, and 
we can still, even at two and a half years, we can still experience stagnancy as a church. The thing is, the church is made up of all of us, right? And this is where, when we, when we say things like, the church is the missionary, we don't mean that I'm the missionary and you guys are a part of this because I'm living my life as a missionary or, or she's living her life as a missionary. Um, we're all that. God has placed you in a unique domain of society. Society is, is, is uh, laid out on this grid. And the church is inside all of these domains. So your domain might be education. Your domain might be agriculture, medicine. Uh, is Parks and Rec a domain? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good TV show. Um, uh, there's, these, there's different domains of society, and God has placed you in a particular domain in order to operate in your gifting. And that's where you're the missionary. So your job isn't your job. It's your vocation and your mission field. You know, you guys have, you guys have as high of a calling as someone who's called to be a missionary or a pastor, a missionary to another country or, or, or a pastor or, or anything like that. Because you guys are all missionaries wherever God has placed you. And that's a huge responsibility, but that should also free you to live out your faith wherever you are. Now I get it. You have to make apps. You have to do your job. You know, you have to... I don't know, do spreadsheets or evaluate people for medical care. Um, you have to do those things. But once you, once you take that and, and, and view it as you ushering in the kingdom, then that's going to totally free you to operate in your domain. And so as a church, we get to do that in our city. Like we do other things as a missionary uh, living on mission in our church. Like we engage St. Jamestown, and we were engaging Regent Park, and we've adopted the Syrian refugee family. You know, we do these things together as well. We're doing all these mental health awareness projects in May. Um, like, we get to do those things as well, but every day, you're in your domain, and you get to share the love of Christ. You know, Paul says in Romans, owe no one to anything, or owe no one anything except to love them. We get caught up in, like, how do we share our faith and how do we defend our faith and forget all that stuff. Owe no one to anything except to love them. And Paul says, we do it because of this. He says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. He says, the armor of light is putting on Jesus Christ. And so when you owe no one anything except to love them, and, you, and you're wearing Jesus Christ, that's ushering in the kingdom of God. And you get to do that every day. And I want to release you guys in that. You get to do that in your families. You get to do that uh, when you go buy groceries. You get to do that in your jobs. You get to do that in your neighborhoods, wherever you are, just to love people in the name of Jesus. 
I love, um, I love classic literature. Um, actually, this is like a five-year-old love. Like I, like, I didn't start loving classic literature until like 2010, so six years, I guess. Um, you know, they make you read, read classic literature in, in high school, but who really understands it then, right? Um, well, maybe you do, I didn't. Uh, so I, I fell in love with it in, in 2010, and so since, since like 2010 to 2016, um, I don't know, we've, we've bought like 150 or so classic novels, and I've probably read a third of them um, in that time. Because they're dense. If you haven't read classic literature in a long time, it can be really dense. Uh, I read Crime and Punishment last year, and it took me like eight months. One part of my problem is I read it before I go to bed. So I'm like, <laughs> like half a page through, I'm like sleeping already. Um, but classic literature is so educational. It, it helps us understand uh, there's a reason it's classic. It's because it transcends time. Uh, because it, it teaches you about the human psyche. It teaches you about how, how we're created. It teaches you about culture. And so if you don't read classic literature and, you, and you're a learner, I would encourage you to just pick up something. Start with like Pride and Prejudice. Start with an easy one. Don't go like Crime and Punishment. Uh, why are you laughing? <laughs> yeah, Pride and Prejudice is actually, I shouldn't say this on record. It's probably my favorite classic novel. <laughs> Um, it's such a good story. So, um, I just finished reading some pretty dense ones, and I, I've jumped into the Chronicles of Narnia, because I'm like, oh, I just want something really easy. They're small, 100-page, 200-page books, you know, and you can, you can fly through them. And there's a scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where uh, Susan and Lucy are two of the main characters, if you're not familiar with them, they're, they're children. Uh, they're in this land of Narnia, which has talking animals, and there's a guy named Aslan, uh, or a lion named Aslan, and he is, he's the Christ figure. He's the Jesus Christ figure in, in the book. And they haven't met him yet. They haven't come across him yet. They're actually talking to Mr. Beaver. <laughs> and, uh, and Mr. Beaver's talking about Aslan. And Susan and Lucy ask, well, is he safe? And Miss Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's our king. Jesus is not tame. Jesus is free. He's, he's wild. You read the scriptures and... Jesus isn't tamed by our culture. He's not tamed by uh, his circumstances. He's not tamed by growing up in a poor family. He's not tamed by being a, a tradesman. He's not tamed by, um, you know, having probably public disgrace with his, his uh, being, being uh, born of a virgin. And he's not tamed by being born in a stable. He's not tamed by anything uh, that, um, that was in his past. Jesus is, is wild and free. I mean, you see him talking to the Pharisees and you see him talking to, 
and you see him just loving others, and you see him condemning things in society, and you see him um, redeeming things, and you see him doing doing so so many things. Then you see him when he when when he comes back, he's totally not tame. And Jesus is not bound by anything that's happened to him in his past. He's not bound by any of those things. Poverty, call, like none of those things has, has bound Jesus. The awesome thing is, because that's the truth, because that's the case with Jesus, he can free us. We can only be freed by someone else who's free. We can only be taught to be that way by someone else who is already that way. And Jesus steps out of heaven into this world, and instead of being tamed by the world, he actually begins to tame everyone around him. I mean, it's, it's amazing. He begins to release people and, and say, you weren't created for that. You were created for this. You weren't created to be in the image of how your mom and your dad treated you and what they thought of you and, and seeking after their approval. You were created by a perfect, loving father. You weren't made in, in their image. You were made in this everlasting father's image. He says you, you weren't created to uh, be bound and shackled by your sin. You were created to live freely with purpose Worshiping and obeying, he says in, in Genesis. We were created to worship and to obey. And Jesus is trying to release you of whatever it is that's causing you to be stagnant this morning. Jesus is saying, pursue the heavenward, upward call in God to Christ Jesus. And that's what Jesus offers you this morning. So if you're... If, you're, if you don't consider your, yourself a follower of Jesus this morning, Jesus is saying, you can come to me and I'll, sh- and I'll free you. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're still bound up by, uh, by whatever it is in your past, you're still looking backwards, Jesus is saying, I want to break those chains and I want to release you into your identity and destiny in me.